It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. Well, good morning. Welcome to another Daily Thunder. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. Uh, What I want to do is I want to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 down through verse 11, just to get in our mind. But I want to talk specifically about verse 5 with you. Uh, This is what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 1. He says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any compassion and mercy, then fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being in unity with one mind, let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, but in humility, humility, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the form of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Oh, what an incredible passage. What an amazing reality of the truth and life of Jesus. Uh, what I want to do is I want to focus specifically on verse 5 with you. Uh, verse 5 is kind of the linchpin. It's kind of the turning point of the whole passage. Uh, what Paul's doing in verses 1 through 4 is he's kind of explaining what the mind of Christ looks like in the life of a believer in the community of the church. And then in verses 6 down through verse 8 specifically, he's talking about what the mind of Christ looked like in Jesus. Uh, we call it the great kenosis passage. But in, in verse 6 down through verse 8, again, he's saying, talking about Jesus, he was in the form of God, but he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he didn't have to steal his godness because he is God. And look at verse 7. He says, he emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the form of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So you want to know what the mind of Christ looks like? It's this bleed, suffer, die, pour your life out, never think about yourself. Hey, empty yourself, become a servant, hum, uh, bathe yourself in humility, hey, and be obedient even to the point of death on a cross. That That is like the simple summary of the mind, the heart of Jesus. Now, as you come to verse 5, again, it's like the linchpin. It's kind of the, the thing that's kind of bringing clarity to this whole thing. And Paul commands those in Philippi, and by extension you, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul's telling us as believers to have the mind of Christ. Isn't that an amazing thought? that you and I could actually have the mind of Christ. Now, here in the passage, this is a command. 
So this is not a suggestion. Uh, this is not a, well, maybe you'll get it. Maybe you won't have it. Paul is saying, I command you have the mind of Christ, which is really neat. Now the word their mind, uh, it's really significant. Uh, the word mind in the Greek is the word phroneo. And the word phroneo, it's, it's fascinating. It, it is the mind, but it's not just the mind. Uh, some translations may say attitude, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And phroneo, it does mean attitude, but it's not just an attitude. Uh, the word phroneo, which is translated mind or attitude, is this idea of, yes, it's your mind. Yeah, yeah it's your attitude. But really, it's the whole makeup of your life. It's, it's your focus. It's, it's the orientation of your living. What Paul is really saying here in the passage is not just, we'll have the mind of Jesus, not just, we'll have the attitude of Jesus. He's saying that same focus, that same orientation of living that Jesus had, you're to have. Well, what was the orientation of Jesus? Oh, that's easy. Here he is. He emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant. He, uh, he, was, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. What, what was the orientation of Jesus? Bleed, suffer, die. Hey, never think about yourself. Pour your life out for the world around you. And Paul says, I command you, have that in your life. Now, you can see that even in verses 1 through 4, as he describes what that phroneo of Jesus looks like lived out in community. And again, he says in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship in the Spirit, if there's any compassion and mercy, well then, fulfill my joy and be like-minded, have like phroneo, having the same love, being in unity with one mind. And then here he, here he is, he gets to like the heart of the matter. How, how does this phroneo look like lived out in community? He says, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition, or another translation says strife or conceit. So nothing is to be done selfishly. Nothing is to be done out of selfish ambition. Doesn't that just go against everything that we were taught in, in the Western world? See, in America, we have this thought of uh, this independence. Hey, I, I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. Hey, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. And, I, and if I have to stomp on your head to get there, so be it. Right? This is, hey, look out for number one. Guard, protect, self-insulate. I mean, hey, this is, and, and we all do that at, at some level. Um, in fact, all you have to do is look at how you wake up in the morning. See, most of us, the alarm clock goes off. And the very first thought that each of us have is me. <laughs> I mean, my first thought is, oh, dear Lord, please turn back the time. That's my first thought. But even that is focused on me. See, see, our whole life is consumed with me. Our favorite note is me, 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 right? Our favorite hymn is, oh, how I love me. I mean, it's just, we are consumed with me. Right, we wake up. We wake up in the morning, and our first thought is, "Well, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Hey, how how are people going to treat me?" Right. This is see. We are so self centered. And Paul says, "Hey, do you know what the mind of Christ is like? Hey, do you know do you know what the mind the this orientation of living lived out in your world would look like? Don't have any selfish ambition." And you go, "Excuse me, Paul. That that is completely opposite of our culture." He would go, yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that Jesus is different. He is holy. He's set apart. He's other than the world around him. Well, yeah, but Paul, no, no, nobody can live like this. He says that that's the point. 
that you can't in and of your own strength and your own ability pull this thing off, which means you're going to need Jesus to do this. So Paul says in verse three, Hey, let nothing. And by the way, the word in the Greek for nothing (laughs) means nothing. (laughs) He says, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or strife and conceit, but in humility, esteem others better than himself. So Paul is saying, hey, don't look out for your own interests. Hey, don't look out for number one. Hey, don't guard and protect. Hey, don't stomp on someone's head to climb the corporate ladder. Hey, 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 don't turn inward. What are we called to do? Turn outward. And that I am to esteem others better than myself. That here we are in quarantine and, and hey, if you have five rolls of toilet paper and you see someone who needs one, guess what you should do? Give them two, right? I mean, it's, Hey, you're not concerned about yourself. You're pouring your life out for the world around you. Now he clarifies that even more in verse four. He says, let each of you look out, not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Uh, some, well, one scholar friend of mine pointed out the fact that in some early manuscripts, the word only and also is not even in the passage. So you could even read it. Look out, not for your own interests, but for the interests of others. And however you want to take that probably doesn't matter. The reality is what Paul is saying is, hey, don't, don't be inward focused. Hey, don't turn inward and look at yourself. Hey, don't just that you were to pour your life out for the world around you. Now think about this. You recognize that the church, the body of Christ is to be a demonstration of the life and the character and the reality of Jesus. Do you know what would happen if a group of people got together and began to live like this? Could, could you imagine walking in a church on Sunday when we get out of quarantine, could you imagine walking in a church and nobody is thinking about themselves, that, that nobody is self-centered, that nobody's saying, well, I, I demand hams. And this person says, well, I demand courses. See, everyone's saying, hey, 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 how can we serve each other? Hey, hey, you want hymns? Hey, let's sing some hymns today. Hey, you want courses? Hey, let's sing some courses today. Hey, hey, you need a need met. Hey, can we meet your need? Hey, you have a flat tire. Hey, can we, can we fix your flat tire? Could you imagine what it would look like for a whole group of people to gather together and not think about themselves? but constantly be thinking about the people around them. Now, here's what's amazing. You realize that if the body did that, your needs would be met. But it wouldn't be done selfishly. It would be done selflessly. That as you are taking your strength and you're pouring out your life to the world around you, and those people are pouring out their life and not being selfish, and they're pouring their life out to you, that, that you, hey, you are getting all that you need, but you're not getting it selfishly, you're getting it selflessly, which is why this becomes a picture of Christ. You, you realize that marriage is supposed to look like that. That, that here's, this, here's this groom and here's this bride. And they both say, hey, I am dying to myself. And I'm not going to live for myself and my wants and my needs and my desires and my pleasure and my whatever. I'm going to lay that down. And the groom says, hey, this is not going to be about me. This is going to be about you. And so I'm going to meet your needs. And this is going to be about your wants and your desires and your pleasure and your dreams and your fulfillment and your... And she says, hey, that's a great idea. Hey, I'm not going to live for myself, but I'm going to pour out my life. And this is not going to be about me. This is going to be about you. And I, hey, this is going to be about your wants and your needs and your pleasure and your desire and your... Isn't it interesting that both of them have their wants met and both of them have their needs, both of them experience pleasure, both of them, but it's not done selfishly, which is why marriage becomes a picture of Christ in the church. Because Christ in the church is not, hey, what we have with Christ is not selfish. Christ is not selfish in this relationship. In fact, he has dumped his life. He has poured forth his life. He has sacrificed himself on our behalf. 
Wouldn't it be amazing if a whole group of people got together and just says, you know what? I, I don't care about my wants and my needs and my whatever. I'm going to pour my life out for the world around me. And whether or not you ever meet my needs does not even matter that I'm going to do this unto Jesus Christ. Paul says, do you know what we'd have to call that group of people? Christians. Yeah, because they would be the body of Christ. Well, what is that? That is the mind of Jesus. That is the orientation of living of Christ. So when I look at your life, <laughs> do you have the mind of Christ? Do you have this orientation of living that is, hey, this is not about me. This is, hey, this is not about my situation and my needs and my wants and my desires. In fact, I'm willing to lay all that aside, bleed, suffer, and die, pour my life out, roll up my sleeves and wash the feet of the world around me because this is not about me. This is about Jesus and allowing him to pour forth my life to the world around me. Paul says that is the orientation that you and I are to have. So don't ever think selfishly about your life. Don't guard, don't protect. Rather, instead of having selfish ambition, in humility, esteem others better than yourself. See, what if we took this passage seriously? See, what if this was more than just a great refrigerator statement or some passage we read once a year? What if we actually lived this thing? It's interesting that that in verse 5, let this mind, let this attitude, let this orientation, let this phroneo be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. It is a command. So, hey, you're commanded to have this mind, this orientation of living. It's interesting, though, is, is that this is in the present tense in the Greek, which means, at least in the context here, that whenever it is present tense, this should be happening in your life. So we're not talking about tomorrow. We're not talking about yesterday. We're talking about now. So, hey, is it to be true right now? Yes. What about right now? Yes. What about right now? Yes. So whenever it is present tense in your life, by the way, you live in the present tense. Whenever it is present tense, you are to have this phroneo, this orientation of Christ in your life. But here's what I think is so amazing. This word, have the mind of Christ, it's in the passive, which means this is not something that I produce this is something that I receive. See, this is not grit your teeth and pull off the mind of Jesus. This is not struggle and have effort and, and all right, pull off the orientation of Jesus. This is, hey, would you, would you receive his mind? Hey, would you receive his attitude? Hey, would you receive this orientation of living from him? And would you begin to let him produce that from you? See, this is a total shift of living. This is not what you can do for him. This is, hey, would you release yourself? Would you live in surrender, abiding, and dependence upon him? And would you begin to allow him to give you his heart, his mind, his orientation, where it just becomes the reality, the outflow of your life? You are commanded to have the orientation of Jesus. But how are you going to pull that off? You're going to need Jesus inside of you through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, bringing about his life his mind, his attitude, his orientation. So would you quit quit trying to do this on your own? Hey, would you quit striving and struggling and gritting your teeth and trying to pull off the Christian life? Instead, could you, could you allow the realities of Jesus to just flow out of your life to such a way where this becomes just, you just can't help yourself. Why? Because he is indwelling in you. And would you allow him to take your heart, your mind, your attitude, your orientation and begin to turn it outward and you wouldn't live through selfish ambition, but rather you would live in humility where you are willing to bleed, suffer, die, pour your life out, roll up your sleeves, wash the feet of the world around you 
and actually be a Christian. Well, you know I'm cheering you on under that end. God's blessings on your day as you live with his mind. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.